Hi, and you're very welcome to episode 14 of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Brett Early, and my co-host today, as always, is Steph Roach. Steph, you're very welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brett Happy to be back. It's nice to be back because it's been, I think, over a month since we've put a show out because international breaks, uh, the mid-season break in there as well, and then I suppose just really availability because it's kind of been a busy period for you, Steph. Uh, some big personal news, uh, and now you've got your time uh, planned with some events that you're organising at some point in the future. Tell us about, uh, I suppose, your good news over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so uh, myself and Dean got engaged uh, on my birthday, he asked me, so... A strange one because people keep asking it was a surprise we're together nearly 14 years so it probably shouldn't be a surprise but i just wasn't expecting it at all but yeah just absolutely delighted the last few weeks as you say of being kind of full of the excitement of that and obviously we haven't been playing so it's been kind of off football at the moment but yeah i'll focus back now onto football and our game tomorrow or our game this weekend of course, as we uh, talk today, it's it's Friday afternoon, uh, the big game of the weekend. Of course, you're going to be involved in that. Piemont and Shells Lockhorns tomorrow. It's a top of the table clash. First blood in this uh, battle all year. Did go to yourselves a couple of weeks ago, but I suppose Shells will be coming going for a bit of revenge. Now, we do talk to uh, Pearl Slattery last week. But because we didn't put a show out last week, it's actually going to go out as part of today's show. So I caught up with her last week when you were all busy with all your cake tasting and all that stuff. Uh, so uh, Pearl, of course, joined me for a chat last week. We will include that later in the show. But we might chat to you a little bit uh, later on also about uh, what the PMAC Mount Camp are doing ahead of the game at the weekend. But first, let's take a look back towards last weekend. And of course, there was a full round of fixtures there. Uh, Piemont had a bye, so as you said, you haven't kicked the ball in competitive action in a while over at Piemont. Of course, the fixtures played over the weekend, and uh, let's go backwards in chronological order. Sunday afternoon in Jackman Park in Limerick, Treaty United and Athlone Town. Um, Athlone, probably the stronger side, without Mern Devaney, of course, involved with Leitrim's uh, final in Division 4 in the Little National Ladies Football League in Gaelic football, uh, but still happy enough to come away with two points. Your own thoughts on the game, Steph? Yeah, I think so. I think Atlanta probably, as you say, were probably maybe the stronger team throughout. Uh, Eva Cronin, maybe a little bit of luck with the first goal, but a good finish for her second goal. And I think both teams probably going into that game probably would have been looking to try and get the win. Um, but yeah, I think overall, the points for me will probably be happy enough. Yeah, her second and third goals of the season. A bit of a defensive lapse from Fiona Owen, straight back pass. Uh, she can just nab down to it, but two excellent finishes. I thought her her goal at the end of the game to equalise was probably the pick of the bunch of the four. Uh, the two Athlone goals quite happy with, but the, the pick of the bunch for me was Aoife Cronin's second one, the equaliser. Just a great through ball from the midfield, and she just pinged it from the edge of the box and uh, really didn't give much of a chance to the goalkeeper in that one at all. So uh, both sides relatively happy with, with the point, uh, but I suppose, as you said, it's a chance for them maybe to get a win, so... Might be a slight level of disappointment that you just couldn't hold on there. Uh, Wexford Utes, DLR Waves, two sides kind of battling out just below the top two spaces in the league that we'll talk about a little bit more in the program later on. Uh, Wexford came out on top. They kind of just dominated this from start to finish, 3-1. Uh, DLR got one back later on, but Wexford sealed it with a, with a goal with 10 minutes to go. So uh, Wexford, it's kind of what we would have expected going into this game, surely. Yeah, I think so. I think we touched on DLR a little bit at the start of the season, how maybe they might be a bit of a surprise package. But I do think 
Wexford haven't played us in our last game. I think they've definitely hit a bit of momentum. Obviously, I think Tom Elms not being the manager anymore, I think the, that it kind of would worry maybe that might have an effect on them. But I think they have, as I said, that little bit of momentum with them and they're playing quite well at the moment. So I think going into that game, I would have thought that it, it was maybe Wexford's to lose as such. Um, and as I said, I think they're, they're in good form at the moment, playing some good football. And, and from what I've seen of the game, probably deserve the win in the end. Yeah, the goals, of course, coming from Limery Grant, Orla Conlon, and uh, own goal for Neve Barnes uh, almost immediately after Carla McManus had given them a bit of life in that game. But a uh, late own goal there proved to be the final score of the game. So three points for Wexford. They managed to put their little seal on third place in the league for the time being. Uh, Bowes and Galway moved to Daily Mount at the last minute. And I don't know, um, I don't know where to start on this one. A great goal from from uh, Galway to, to start it. We won't talk much about the, the effort for the header uh, early on in the in, in the move, but the uh, the layback and the shoot from Sinead Donovan from distance, I just thought it was, it was great. Top corner from about 25, 30 yards. Um, it just, there was no stopping it. Yeah, as you say, good kind of cross into the box and then there was a little bit of kind of a scramble, as you say, she went to try and head it and it got cleared. But as you say, the, the touchback, the layout for the shot and then the finish was, was a great finish in fairness. From Donovan, um, I think the worry for Galway will probably be to defend them for that goal. Um, I think we're all for promoting the league and talking about the good things that happen, but I think it's important to to kind of highlight the bad stuff as well because I think that was very, very poor defending and the wall splitting the way it did, and, and for the keeper to be beaten with the ball, the pace on the shot wasn't even that good, you know, so or it wasn't even that hard. So it's a disappointing goal, and that's kind of the goals that you don't want to see put up on social media that people see because. Uh, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible goal to concede from Galway's point of view, I think. Yeah, no, I didn't see all of the game either, but from the, the commentary on the highlights, it would indicate that it was probably unlucky from uh, Majazayek's point of view that she had had a good game up to that point. But I don't think it's fair to just put the, the, all the blame on the goalkeeper. Like, the idea of a wall is that it protects a certain area oh, of the goal, and then the keeper takes responsibility for the other half of the goal. The wall literally just split right down the middle, and the ball, as you said, it wasn't even that fast. It took a, relatively normal bounce and just yeah. bounced over Zyke and, and I don't know I think teams at this level have to be doing better than that we like promoting the league we like talking about the positives but I think we have to call it out when it's just not good enough really exactly and I think look obviously Nimi makes a run down the line you can maybe make an argument for the defender to people in the wall maybe get a little bit distracted by that run but it's still it's for the wall to break the way it did and as you say the shot didn't have much power on it the keeper the keeper needs to get across and, and deal with that so it, it was as i said from a galway point of view i'd be more disappointed or more be focusing on the, the disappointment to be conceding the goal like that than the, the cracking goal that they did get because that's a positive to take from the game but i'd be more kind of worried about as i said the defending and the way that goal did go in yeah, I think it's absolutely a case of uh, two points dropped for Galway late on in that game. And nice to have a game in Daily Mount, though. It's a pity that I suppose Bowes don't get to play more of their games at the, the I suppose the storied home of Irish football. Yeah, definitely. It's great to see that. And I think we spoke with that about that at the start of the season um, when we had Neve on. Um, look, that's a great thing to see. I think it's great to see all the teams being able to play in the in the male stadium as such where you wouldn't really get to see many of the, the women's national league games being played in the past so it is a step forward in the right direction and hopefully as the season goes on there'll be more and more of the bows girls games being played there yeah and then of course the final game that was played last weekend shells versus cork city uh, noel murray the only score in the game 21 minutes in shells 
probably underperformed in terms of a 1-0 scoreline, but they had all the possession, all the pressure, but just couldn't break down Cork, who defended resolutely the whole way through the game. At 1-0, the final score. They might be disappointed, but they still took all three points and they put themselves in the frame to kind of have you set up a top of the table fast with yourselves this weekend. Um, it's another win. It's consistent. You looking forward to this weekend? Uh, but let's talk about the Cork game first. From Shell's point of view, our team's getting harder to break down uh, as we're seeing with these these kind of tighter results than maybe the, the play would indicate. Yeah, I think from Cork's point of view, I think one of my, I don't even want to say criticisms because I think I've been quite positive when I speak about them, but I think one of my criticisms would be that maybe they're a little bit naive at times going into games and they, they tried to play out too much and they, don't get me wrong, they did try to play out a little bit in the game, but um, look, I think teams need to learn to play against, as we say, the stronger sides within the league and, and play within their limits. And I think Cork tried to do that and, as you say, they frustrated them. Shells had the majority of possession and, look, Noel got the goal and I'm sure Shells will be looking back at it and thinking they've got the win and that's all that matters. But, yeah, I do think that Teams like Cork coming up against the likes of Shells, ourselves, Wexford are probably going to have to, as I say, change maybe their approach a little bit at times. And as much as I'm happy to see teams playing a certain way and trying to play football, you have to kind of, as I said, play within your means and, and look to try and get the best results you can by, by maybe changing a little bit of your, your setup before these big games. But yeah, look, Cork frustrated them. Didn't probably give up many opportunities, but I'm sure Shells will be delighted. And I think I'm, I'm actually have to say I'm very happy for Noel as well because I think she She'll shine under Noel King. I think I thought that at the start of the season. I think she would have been a player who Noel would have, have known all about throughout the underage system. And I kind of played with Noel for a long time. And Noel's a fantastic player. And I think she's really started to kind of blossom under Noel. And I think this will be a good season for herself too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, well, we've talked about Cork's goalkeepers a lot this season. Abby McCarthy impressed in, in a long periods of, of the early games of the season. Maria Sullivan, last year's goalkeeper, has come back from the US from her scholarship, has taken the jersey over after a couple of games, had an absolute stormer at the weekend, um, made some unbelievable saves, and I think deserves a lot of credit for that score. But I think overall from Cork, it's great to see a team that still, let's be honest, haven't managed to win this season but Shell's one of the top two sides in the league to keep them to 1-0. It's probably their best result of the season, despite the defeat. Yeah, look, I don't think they look at it in that sense. I think <laughs> losing a game is, is never going to be good. But I think, look, it's as I said before, they're a young team. They're they're trying to play a certain way. And look, I, I, we obviously have done our own analysis pieces and stuff. So we watched a lot of the game back. And I think they, they set up in a way where they could be hard to beat and try to get little breaks, like win the ball in the break and go and try and get their goal. But that wasn't to be. And as you said, Maria Sullivan had a very good game too. So look, I think you can't say they'll be happy with it, but I'm sure there'll be positives to take from the game for them. That's probably a much better way of putting it there, <laughs> the way I did it. Listen, um, I suppose that brings us to the, the end of the games last weekend. Let's quickly just take a quick look at the league table as we go into this round. I think it's round 11 of games in the championship so far, maybe round 12. I'm not quite sure, but it's a bit weird when there's the odd game out to, to kind of yeah. work it out. Uh, yourselves and Shells uh, currently level on top of the table on goal difference, on points. It's very similar to the men's table at the moment. Edo, however, do have that game in hand, haven't been idle last weekend. Wexford, three points, uh, four points further back on 21 points, and then DLR on 16, albeit again with that game in hand. And then we're kind of looking at the lower end of the table after that. Galway still kind of in touch, 13 points from 10 games. Uh, Bowes, Treaty, both on eight, while Athlone on six and Cork on three. 
prop up the table. But as we saw last week with Cork's one uh, 0 defeat to Shells, anything is possible. Games aren't as tight, they aren't as, as wide open maybe as they had been a couple of seasons ago between teams at the top and teams at the bottom. I think that gap is closing week on week. And um, we might have a little bit of a. I know the big game of the weekend. Everyone's talking about it all week on social media. Piedmont versus Shells. Let's maybe take a little look inside the Shells camp. Now, this is a sit-down I had with Pearl Slattery about a week ago uh, before they played Cork last weekend. Uh, let's hear what she had to say about how things are going on in Shells at the moment. And we did talk a good bit about the game tomorrow. Pearl Slattery, you're very, very welcome to the show. Thanks, William Brefley. Looking forward to it. No problem at all. Listen, it's been a an interesting kind of season, a season and a half with all the COVID that's gone on over the last uh, 15 months or so. I use the word interesting. Other people might use a different word. Uh, but we're now in a kind of a normal enough space. People starting to get back into games, albeit in small numbers. How has the last 15 months been for you personally, I suppose, and I suppose the, the crew at Chelsea? Yeah, I think, like look, like everybody, it's been a bit mad, hasn't it? It's been a time that I don't know, none of us really seen coming and then all of a sudden it hits you and it changes your whole world and I think like everybody we just had to deal with it as it, as it came and especially with football it was weird because last season we were probably a day out um, before kicking off the actual season and then COVID hit and we had to cancel it and postpone it and that was after like a 10 week pre-season so it was, it was heavy going, it was tough mentally and stuff and I always say it to people like, you know, I suppose this time made us all really appreciate what sports does for us, you know, when, when it was taken away, especially myself, you know, I eat, breathe and sleep football. So when that was removed from my life, it was it was difficult, like, you know, and but I think now when I look back, it's just gave me that appreciation of the sport of what what shells, what my teammates, you know, actually do for me week to week. And I think that it gave us all that kind of feeling that, you know, we probably took it for granted a little bit prior to COVID coming in so look I'm just delighted now that a sport is back and we were look very lucky to get last season up and running and finished and then really lucky now and we are very lucky in the in the country in general that us and the men's were obviously allowed to come in for pre-season um in early or late January early February so we were blessed with that and I'm very lucky that we could continue and look thank God now it's hopefully please God coming to an end. You mentioned that you work for the FAI and that your your, your full time job is in football. You're one of I suppose few women, a few women in the game, a few people in the women's game, should I say, who actually their full time income drives from the game. Maybe not in the way you might have dreamed of as a little girl, but still, it's very much involved in the day to day run of the game. Tell us a bit about the role you have with the FAI and kind of what type of work you do within the game in your day job. Yeah, so look, I obviously growing up. I was always football mad, breathly, like just like since a younger age, and I always wanted to play, play, play. And then I went to the States for a while, I came back, and I, I heard about the National League starting off. So I wanted to get back and play in the National League, and obviously played at Rohini initially. And then we merged with Shells. And so I look, you know, not lucky, um, or I suppose, you know, as, as many of the players go abroad and stuff, I knew I'd be staying at home. And I suppose when I came back from the States, it was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. But I always knew I wanted to work with football because, as I said, it's my life. It's, it's the only interest I really have. And I started to volunteer a lot when I came home from the States and, and knew if I got my name out there, I did a lot of work um, that, you know, something might come up. And I always speak about Stephen Rice, who was a great mentor to me. I worked with him for, for a year or two and, and ended up getting 
um, a job in the FEI working the summer soccer school. So that's where I started initially for two years. Um, it's one of our biggest programs. So that was a brilliant experience for me. Um, and then I moved into the women's department, which was, you know, ideal for me. It made sense. I was a women's player. Um, I knew the game as in, like, from a player's perspective. But to be honest, that eight months in the women's department completely opened my eyes to, you know, other stuff, um, governance, all that other stuff that, as a player, you probably don't realise and all the work that goes on in the background to allow us to play, you know, and, and that was a big learning curve for me. And after those eight months, um, a job, a development officer in terms of the women's game, just based around the women's game, came up in Dublin and, and I was lucky enough to get one of those roles. Keith O'Halloran was working on the north side, I was working on the south side. So I did that for two years and then just with the new restructure then in the FEI since, you know, late 2020, early 2021, a new job opportunity came up for me um, from program coordinator for women's football in the country. And I just felt... Look, to be honest, if I was totally honest, I didn't expect to be in a role like this now. Um, but when the job came up, I felt like I had to go for it. I felt like a role like that, females had to believe in themselves and go for it. Um, and that, you know, I fought with myself for weeks whether I wanted to leave the development officer job because I loved being out on the ground and working with clubs. And um, look, I thought about it for a few weeks and I just thought, you know, it's really important that females go for it. It's an important role. I care about the women's game in the country. I wanted to do well. So... Luckily enough, I went for it and I got it and I've been, you know, delighted. I only started since January, um, but it's a national role. I'll be working with a lot of the leagues, a lot of the clubs and grassroots um, in terms of growing the women's game. So, as I said, I'm really passionate about it. Um, I love the game. I obviously love our country and, you know, I just want to do well for the FEI and just grow the game in this country because I think everybody can see the potential that the women's game has now around the world. It's growing. Um, you can see it in our league even now you know, all the social media stuff, all the marketing and promotion, it's growing massively. And, and even, you know, things like this that have never been done before, it's just taken huge strides. But I just think it's important that we don't stay still now and, and applaud ourselves and say, is this great? Now we have to keep moving forward now and that the girls game just becomes the norm. And look, I'll have a big play, part to play in that in terms of grassroots and walking with, you know, underage and clubs and league development and all that sort of stuff so look to me I'm very lucky and as you said I work with football full-time uh, but I'm not afraid to say it. it doesn't feel like work because I love it so much so I'm very lucky yeah in terms of I suppose the, the senior game as you mentioned it's going from strength to strength the profile is increasing the quality is increasing we're seeing some fantastic goals I know you even chipped in yourself with a, a fairly decent uh, build-up you started the move you finished the move uh, going to be a contender for for goal of the season across the league. I have no doubt we might talk about that a little bit later. But in terms of the, the actual grassroots that you're working on, what's the health of that like? Because I know locally here, there's no junior ladies team. If you're not playing National League uh, and you have to go to Athlone, I'm based in Leitrim in the Northwest, but you have to go to Athlone, Galway or, or Dublin to play, um, there is under 17, obviously, with Sligo Rovers there, but and under 19 this season. But in terms of junior football, if you're not involved in one of those National League setups, you're not quite the standard. There's nothing after under 18 for girls in the region. Um, they tend to gravitate towards other sports, mostly Gaelic football, because there's very little rugby as well. Uh, what's the health like and what's the future like for, for the girls maybe reaching that age that aren't quite good enough to go into National League but want to stay playing the sport? Yeah, look, that's a great point. I think, and like I say this to everybody in my job, roughly, and all the programs I run around the country, like not everybody's going to go National League. Not everybody's want to Look, first of all, they mightn't be good enough and that's okay. But a lot of people just might not want to play at National League level. They don't like that competitive environment where 
like players like myself and other players, we breed off that stuff. We want it. We want to be in that environment, but not everybody does in the country. And I think that's important for us to remind ourselves at times when we are looking at structures, when we are looking at pathways. And as I said to you, you know, before, I think we're in a better place now in the FAI. You know, we really, really are. And I think structures and pathways and stuff, you know, constantly looked at and, you know, listening to people out on the ground and what's working and what's not is really important. But I think as a whole and in terms of growing the game even, never mind getting to those age groups, I think we have to get girls involved in their sport a lot younger. And that's my experience from being out on the ground. You know, other sports are getting them in way younger and we've lost them by the age of eight, nine, ten. So if we can get them in now at four, five, six and eight or whatever it might be, but getting them in at that four, five and six-year-old age group is massive for me. And that'll be a big part of my job now. We're rolling out a new program. Um, it's called UEFA Disney Playmakers with UEFA. That's launching this September with 30 clubs around the country. And I'm not sure if you know, but the FEI has took under like a new um, structure to how we will run. So there's eight new regions. Each region has a regional manager now, which is regional teams full of development officers and program coordinators, which I'm one of them. And we'll be all working closely together now in the region. So I think this COVID time as well has given us an opportunity to have staff to, I suppose, swat it of our areas look at where the gaps are look at what's working well and what's not and i think in time we'll see the benefit of that but i think getting girls in at a younger age group and then also realizing that different age groups that not everybody wants to play that elite side and that's fine and just making sure that there's opportunities there for everybody to play your sport so if you're not in national league where are the girls going that are outside and are we providing enough for them to stay involved in their game and you know i think there's some really good stuff as well around the country you know in terms of what is available, but I do think we need to remember that not everyone's going to want to play in the National League, and that's fine, and it's looking at the structures and the pathways and how we can keep people involved. Yeah, I suppose we didn't mean to go down this direction when we invited you on the show, but we just kind of wandered down it. I suppose finally on the, the non-National League stuff that we will get into very shortly, but finally on that, I suppose the FAI has been a, a punching bag, sometimes rightly, sometimes unfairly, over the last couple of years, um, and an easy target for everything that's gone wrong in the game. Again, sometimes maybe warranted, most of the time probably not warranted, but the mood has been negative out of Abbottstown for a while. What's it like in, in Abbottstown on a daily basis? Is the atmosphere better? Are people more positive about the future of the organization, the future of the game? Yeah, look, I think so. I think, look, what's happened in the past has happened in the past and, you know, try leave it there. I think now all we can do is look forward um, because I've always said to people, I'm very thankful to the FEI because, they, like, I am working in football full time now because of them. Yes, I worked really hard to get there, but I'm also very thankful. You know, they've helped me, supported me, got me on the coach ed pathway. So, you know, I've, I've, as I said to you before I came on, I've loved every minute of my nearly six years being there. And I think, yeah, I think, look, the past is the past, and we're all looking forward now, as staff. And as I say this to all people as well, there's a lot of brilliant people in there who are doing great work. Who you know, the public probably don't see um, a lot of the times because they're just normal people getting involved or get going on with their day and doing their day-to-day -day things. But in fairness, since Jonathan comes in, came in, you know, he's, he's met us all. Um, and it's a really exciting time, I think. But as I said, yeah, it will take time. And just hopefully everybody gives the place that time now to learn from the past, move forward. Because we're all involved in the game. We're all in the association because we love the sport and we want it to do well. Um, and please God, we can do that now by looking forward together. 
Yeah, I suppose the FAI is there as an umbrella body for everybody involved in the game. So we are all part of the FAI, maybe smaller, smaller ways than others. But that is, uh, I suppose, one way of looking at it. In terms of the, the football, let's talk about football because obviously that's why we're here on the show this week. Um, it's been a great start for Shells. Obviously, the defeat to Pima probably stands out as one um, relatively dark spot on the season so far. But but overall, um, Shells, you played probably the best football in the division this year. You must be happy. Um, with, with that at least in terms of uh, the fact that you're probably well there's no problem you're definitely the best football inside in the in the league this year yeah I think look we've we've had a good start to the season so far we're in the second round of games now so we've been pretty happy with our fourth round as you said look the female defeat when we look back at that game we probably didn't play our best game if we if we you know if we really I suppose analyze ourselves we had a really good second half and it was just unfortunate we couldn't bring that into the fourth half and and by then in fairness the females are they're quite rootless and they'd already scored two and we came out two one um obviously a two one defeat but look that's football there's still plenty to be played we still have to play them twice we still have to play everybody twice but in terms of the fourth round we were delighted um everybody knows us that we are a good football inside but We've been working on the other stuff as well, you know, work ethic, all that sort of stuff. And I've been very proud of the girls this year because we've took that up a notch and we're in a good place, um, as I said. But look, we won't look too far ahead and we'll just keep taking it um, each week as it comes. Every week is a challenge. Every week is a different game. Um, and we just try to go into every game with a focus and try to win um, if we can. Yeah, of course, uh, there was a draw with Wexford in there as well, but Piedmont in the last game before the mid-season break uh, also drew Wexford, so they kind of cancelled each other out in terms of points dropped in that title race. Piedmont, of course, will be back on the radar in a couple of weeks' time. Um, what's the rivalry like between those clubs? I know Steph isn't with us today, but uh, in terms of um, what's the, I suppose, is, is there an animosity there? Is there a professional respect? What's the relationship like between yourself and those players? Because you all know each other so well. You've played with each other on international teams, regional teams, league teams, as you kind of came through the ranks. Yeah, I think there is a professional respect, to be honest. Like, even if you're speaking there about the Wexford game, to me, we, you know, I felt like a defeat after that game because I just felt we created enough chances in that game to win it. Um, and look, I'm not just saying in terms of uh, striker scoring goals, I had a chance in that game as well. Like, my weekend was ruined, you know, and I didn't put it away. But that game initially felt like a defeat. But in fairness, when Wexford got the draw to Pays, you know, I think it was a good result for the league because it keeps the, the title race open. But I think in terms of the three teams and us and P-Mount, um, there is that professional respect. We all know each other so well. Obviously, we've been playing against each other for years. But, you know, we all want to win. That's why we play. Um, so, you know, there is that professional respect. But when the whistle blows... You know that goes out the window both teams want to win and they're always entertaining games they're always a good battle um and it's always a good game to watch and look i think we're there next game we have cork four so we won't even think about the female game yet it's it's cork force this weekend and when we win that then we can focus on female but they're always enjoyable games um every year and i think you know the next game and um, we'll show that again yeah, coach, you mentioned they're obviously off this weekend. They have no game, but you play Cork at home. Um, a victory will put you top of the table. Two goals will put you clear top of the table uh, on goal difference at least. Uh, will that be an added advantage for going to pay out the week after, even if you haven't thought ahead to that game? But going in at the top of the table, albeit with a game more played, does it make that little bit of kind of a bragging rights going into that game? Um, to me, if I'm honest, 
not really. I think it looks nice, doesn't it, when you're when you're going in that week and and women's national league are posting that we're top of the table, but we also know we have to play them then and and show up and and get points. That's the biggest thing for me. So look, it can look lovely um at the time, but you never win a league in the second round of games or or going into a game like that. You want to be on the top of the top of the table when it comes to the last game of the season. That's when it, that's when I'm the happiest. You know what I mean? So look, we won't take that and buy that. As I said to you, I'll, we. I won't look beyond Cork. I can't because every game in this in this league is a challenge. Cork themselves now have a new manager in, so I'm sure the girls will all want to impress them. And I think we'd be silly if we looked beyond Cork. And as I said to you, this league has shown over the years that probably to the to everybody outside we're the favourites, but us as a group and now wouldn't allow it. We you know we give every team respect, um, and we never go into a game just thinking we're guaranteed a win. We win focused. We try to wear best, and obviously we want to win the game. And then, as I said to you, once we get by Cork and hopefully we win, we can focus then on the next game, which is Pierce. Yeah, and it's funny, you mentioned Noel and new managers in Cork and stuff. Noel's only nine games into his reign as Shell's manager, but already there's three or four managers fresher than him in the league. It's got a very new feel to it this year. Uh, what's Noel been like? Um, I suppose he's well established in the women's game, having managed Ireland for the best part of a decade, if not a little bit longer. Um hugely experienced coach in the League of Ireland at international level with the under-21s, even with a little spell in charge of the seniors. Uh, how have you found working under him uh, this year at club level? What has he brought to the table that maybe might not have been there in previous seasons? Yeah, look, he's been excellent, to be fair. He, he obviously had a bit of time out of the game. So when I think, you know, he went for the shells, so I think he was itching to get back and itching to get back involved in the girls' game. And Obviously, I knew now through work and stuff, but I wasn't one that was probably lucky enough to work under him as a player. Some of them had, so I was um, fascinated, I suppose, a man of his quality and his experience. As, as we said, like all the teams he's worked with before, I was dying to, you know, work under him and, and play for him. And since he's come in, he's just been a ball of enthusiasm and it's fed down on us. And he's such a nice way about him, even in games. Um, and things are probably not going their way. He's just a great way about him. He's demanding. Don't let me fool you. He's very, very demanding. But I like that. But I look, he's, he's he probably has his pro license, all that. But in terms of, you know, for me, one of his biggest, I suppose, assets is, you know, you want to play from as a player, you want to do well from. And when you don't play well as a player, as you know, as one of his players in a game, you nearly feel like you're letting him down. And I think that's a great quality as a coach. And look, I've played under many managers for many years. And I've always said that if, you know, players want to play for you, you know, forget qualifications, forget how good you are as a coach, you're already winning. And I think he has that in abundance. And he's brought in, look, a great background team. He has Joey there, Joey Malone. He's brought in his son, Kieran, who, you know, you just love Kieran um, and all the girls. And then obviously Steve Williams, um, goalkeeping coach so he's, he's brought in good staff behind him there's good people in the background like Gordon and stuff like that that give him a give him a hand and then obviously you know he's a brilliant coach he's the way he wants us to play and as I said to you, he's very demanding but you know um, we've just enjoyed um, since he's come in and look hopefully we can keep going keep doing um, doing things well for him and then hopefully at the end of the season we've something to show from you know yeah, absolutely. I had the pleasure of working with him on uh, two, one or two World University Games squads uh, back in the in the day, and uh, always a bundle of enthusiasm and a bundle of positivity around as well. You know, has a great way about him, as you said. Uh, and it's great to watch the, the style of football he had. Now you've always had that type of football, but he really seems to have pushed it on the level. You've dominated games. Let's talk before I let you go about that goal in Athlone because 
as you said off air, it doesn't happen every week. Um, <laughs> you, you got the ball in your own half or just on the halfway line. I think it was Emily Whelan you found a lovely pass, mm. took it back from her and just clipped it over the goalkeeper from a decent distance out. Um, were you practicing that? Is that just one of those things that just kind of happens or is it just in the moment to see what happens when you hit it? Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't pra- practicing that as a centre-half. There'd be something wrong if I was practicing that and training. But in fairness, Noel and Joe, we play a lot of, you know, small-sided games with us with two big goals and small areas. And it's all about shooting, really. So no matter what player you are or what position you're in, you're always getting shots off. You know, and after the game, I'd actually said to Joey when it went in, you know, maybe it's those little small-sided games. But in terms of the games itself, like, we knew going to Alone that day, it'd be tough. First game of the season, you know, new management, some new players who've come in and that gel. And look, in fairness to Atlone, they're well-organised. There's some quality players. Um, and I said even after that game, they'll take points off teams. And we've seen some really good performance in front of since. So we're just finding it a little bit hard to break them down that day. And, um, you know, in the first half of fairness, Stapo had, had stepped in really well a lot of the times. And we were just still nil all at that point. And I just remember Rachel Graham played it out to me and there was space in front of me. And I just thought, right, I'm going to drive in here. And I kept driving. And then I kind of thought, well, you know, I'm halfway here now, so I might as well keep going. <laughs> and that was Emily. So I just played it into her. But I, to be honest, I didn't expect the back. I played it into Emily. She took a touch, I remember. And I kind of got away from her. And because I kept me run going, she kind of just laid it off to me. Um, and I just thought, look, I'm here now. And it just felt lovely. It just felt so nice. And I thought, I'm hitting this. Because if it goes over as a centre-back, nobody's going to really give out to me, Ali. So that was me thought process. Once it came to me, I was shooting. And obviously, when I looked up and I seen the keeper, I didn't even move. I could just see it going into the top corner. And I, I obviously couldn't believe it. Like, and wouldn't expect that, that the fourth goal was probably going to come from me that day. But delighted just to help the team. Obviously, nice to get yourself on the score sheet. But just delighted that we actually broke at the home down, do you know what I mean? Because for a while we were kind of worried, would we? And we knew it would come eventually, but I don't think we all knew it would come from me. But um, look, delighted that we could score and then obviously come away with a 2-0 win. You mentioned Jess Stapleton there as well. Um, she's been a bit of a revelation for you at the back. She slotted in perfectly alongside you at centre-half. Um, under-17 champion last year with saying, or with, uh, I'm sorry, in the under-17 final last year with Channel yeah. um and didn't, didn't stay at Champions League, obviously wanted to move on and play uh, senior football. Noel brought her in when he came in with the, with the team. How much has it been an experience for you playing with someone who's a few years younger than you and probably needed that bit of guidance at the start? Or has it? did she just hit the ground running like she seems to have had? Yeah, no, she has. Look, I know Jess because, you know, with the seven days and stuff, and I knew her before her actually because she plays in Cherry Orchard, so I'd be quite local and I would have seen her play, you know, a lot of the boys' games, but... She's come in and hit the ground running. And look, I always speak about, you know, young players coming in and you always kind of think, ah, look, they're young, aren't they? are young. But with Stapo, you nearly forget her age. And that's the biggest compliment I can give her because she's just been exceptional for us. And look, people always say to me, you know, oh, she'll be learning loads off you. And I learn off Stapo as well. So I think we've a good mix of youth and experience. But I think Jessie can go anywhere she wants now in football if she really puts her mind to it. And she does. Um, you know, our standards and and just the way she trains all the time. Um, and it's been a joy, honestly, when she signed, you know, I was I was delighted and I just thought, you know, this would be nice now, a bit of youth and experience together. 
you know, and with Amanda obviously signing um, as well, like we've, you know, we're, we're proud of our clean sheets that we've kept so far. We have a real pride in that as a back four and a goalkeeper, and that's what we're driving together. But she's definitely hit the ground running, very humble kids. And as I said, like I learned from Jess as much as I hope she's she's learning from me as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Only three goals conceded this year, seven clean sheets. Not a bad record by anybody's standards. Pearl, uh, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks very much for dropping in for a chat. The best luck against Cork at the weekend. And uh, we'll all have our eyes peeled, particularly in 10 days' time when Piedmont make the trip across the city to Talca Park. Uh, the very, very best luck in, in the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be chatting to you and your teammates later on in the year. Thanks a million, Breffney. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, pretty good insight there into what's happening in Tolka Park ahead of the clash this weekend. And I suppose how the season has been going so far uh, for Pearl, uh, both in and out of her day job with the FAI. In terms of this weekend, though, it's all about Shells and Piedmont. So maybe let's park that for one moment. We'll get your thoughts on, on the whole situation in a few minutes, Steph. But first, let's get the other games out of the way. Cork, they host Bohemians this weekend in Turner's Cross. Um, it's going to be, uh, I suppose, a, a battle of attrition between two sides looking to really kickstart a season that looked bright at the early days of the of the season with that draw and Galway for Cork and that win against Treaty on the opening day of the season. Things haven't quite gone the way both clubs would have liked since. Yeah, and I think, look, we I spoke briefly there about Cork against Shells and how they maybe had to adapt their game and, and maybe not be so naive, but I think the way they're trying to play will really suit this game against Bowes. Maybe might have a better, a better chance uh, kind of getting to play their game and, and try and create chances for their forwards and, and maybe get a couple of goals. But again, Bowles, very, very solid defensively. Made it difficult for us at the start of the season. I think we broke them down late and, and got the goals then in the end. But yeah, two two teams, as you say, who will be looking to try and get a win on the boards. And I think it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, Galway, WFC and DLO Waves do battle over in Terryland Park. It's not called Terryland Park anymore. It is called Eamon DC Park. I keep making that mistake. But it is a, a great game for both sides. I suppose it's, it's what you call a six-pointer in the middle of the table because if Galway win, they go level with DLO. If they lose, they're six points behind with a game more played. It's really that kind of a, a decider as to where basically their seasons are going to go. Are they going to be fighting with each other for positions or are DLF or going to put a little bit of extra space between the two teams? Yeah, I think, look, Galway have had a little bit of a rough time, haven't they, of late? Um, manager leaving, a couple of ab absentees from the club with injury and stuff like that. But they have made a few signings. Now, I don't know if it's been announced yet, but they've got a few players coming in who I think will make a big difference. Um, whether they'll be ready to play against the LR, I'm not sure. But I think really for Galway, it's about really just kind of changing their season up because, as I said, it hasn't been going well. They've had a lot of kind of changes within the club. And it's just about kind of getting themselves settled and, and going again. Um, again, DLR, I think the start of the season, I was really positive about them. I think when we played against them in uh, UCD Bowl, I thought I was a little bit disappointed with them, I have to say. I think they, they sat in a little bit too much and kind of, I don't think they had much of a threat going forward, which I think when you're a team who defends really hard, you still have to have that option going forward and trying to get a goal, you know? So I think... For both teams, it's probably going to be a test for them to see where they're at and, and see what they can do within that game. And, and both teams, I think, will need to look for the win in order to, to kind of progress themselves this season. Yeah, of course, you touched on a couple of new signings there. Transfer window is open at home. Any more hints you can give us on what you might know on that? Um, <laughs> Only you had a forum where you could share this information. I don't know what's been made public and what's not. I haven't been on social media this much, that much this, the last few weeks, so... Um, 
yeah, I, yeah. I, I just assume it's all out there. It's fine. Just assume <laughs> it's all out there. Still. A few rumors that a few uh, former players might be coming back. A few players that have played within the league in different clubs who would have good experience and good players could be signing for Galway very soon. <laughs> Always good to keep our hands on the pulse on that. Uh, Wexford Youths and Trinity United, they do battle in Ferry Carrick on Saturday evening as well. Um, Wexford, fresh off a good victory last week against DLOR. They'll be looking at the top two sides in the in the league, knowing that if it's a stalemate in PL or L Park on, on Saturday, they could move within two points of the top of the table themselves with a victory against Treaty, which they would be expecting probably based on form. Um, there's a lot in it for, for Wexford as well to maybe try and, and edge their way closer to yourselves and Shells. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I think they will have a firm eye on the game and talk between ourselves and Shells. Um, if that does end in a draw, it gives them an opportunity to try to climb up the table, as you say. Um, obviously, I touched on it earlier. I think they're in good form at the moment. Uh, I was very impressed with, it, with how they played against us. They're probably unfortunate not to maybe go on and win the game. I think uh, Nisha made a few very good saves. Um, but yeah, Wexford, high and confident at the moment and in good form, will definitely be looking to, to win that game and, and obviously hoping for, for a positive result in our game against Shots. And of course, it is a talk and not PRL Park, as I mentioned before. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for correcting me very politely. Yeah, I wasn't uh, correct in a nice way, so I said I could say it. <laughs> but in terms of, of Talca, it is, I, I suppose, where most people's attention outside of their own individual games will be this weekend. Uh, Shells and Piemont have spent some crackers of games over the years. Uh, there's a lot riding on this. It's so tight at the top of the table. A draw probably keeps the whole thing alive until you meet for the third and final time this season. And neutrals, I suppose, will be looking for that. But I suppose from your point of view, uh, you'll be looking for all three points again and really trying to put a bit of an extra space between yourselves and Shells at the top of the table. Yeah, I think that's the exciting thing because, as you say, we definitely won't be going into it looking for a draw. And I don't think Shells will either. We'll both want to win the game. Um, our game up here at Park, as you mentioned before, uh, was was quite tight. I think Shells were, were unfortunate, if I'm totally honest, to not maybe get a point in that game. We obviously came away to one winners. Um, so they'll have a little bit of a, of revenge on their on the in I think they'll want to get a bit of revenge and maybe get that win against us. But our games against Shells are always good, good footballing games. Um, and I'm just looking forward to playing the game. And as you mentioned in Talco Park as well nice facility good pitch and it's it's exciting and i'm really looking forward to getting gone yeah it's uh what can you tell us about how the team is shaping up who's available anyone out anyone missing or can you share that information um no well anyone's missing i think everybody's everybody's fully fit Um, i think the thing with, with, with us is that we've got so many players within the squad who i think if they started it wouldn't make a huge difference you know i think that's our one of our big positives is that we've got players on the bench who who I think would probably be itching to want to be playing or probably should, you know, might think, oh, geez, I should be starting in this team. So that's kind of the, the good thing about Piemont is that we have so much competition that if there was, obviously I'd never wish injuries on anybody, if there was injuries within the squad, we'd be able to replace the players, I think, without really any kind of change to the team as such. So look, I think we've got a, as far as I know, everybody's fully fit, everyone's ready to go. Um, and yeah, full squad to pick from. So as I said, it's exciting. It's I think it's going to be a cracking game. Every game between ourselves and Shells usually is. So I just can't wait to get going. No new arrivals over Piemont. You seem to have enough players players coming out of everywhere over there at the moment. But uh, any new arrivals into your squad? There's one or two rumours about Shells as well that I've heard going around. Uh, Noel King might be dipping back into his uh, little black book of uh, of names from 
many, many moons ago to bring some players out of retirement or out of maybe other codes. I'll leave that to percolate for a little bit as well. You might know who I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I think, well, I don't actually know who you're talking about coming out of retirement. You've got me there, I think. But I've, I've obviously heard of girls who maybe are coming back from playing abroad or or playing in different leagues. So maybe wanting to come back to play in Ireland and, and I think they could be going back to the shells. But for ourselves, uh, no, I haven't heard of anybody um, coming to play with us. Uh, Heather Payne was training with us, but she's obviously heading back to Florida State and she's over in Liverpool at the moment training, I think, too. So, look, that's probably the only player who's really been around the squad who's not part of the squad as such. So, other than that, no, we've, we've no new signings. Um, and as you mentioned, I think we've got enough players to try and keep happy as it is. So, it's a... Uh, it's probably for the best that we don't have too many players coming in. Yeah, Liverpool. A couple of Irish girls signed for Liverpool in the last week or two. I, saw, I know Megan Campbell was announced during the week. Obviously, Rachel Furness from the North is already there. And there's another girl, I can't remember who it was, Neve, uh, maybe Leanne yeah. Kiernan? Leanne Kiernan just signed. Yeah, yeah, she signed. Her and, and Megan was just announced, yeah. Neve Fahey yeah. is up there. Already, yeah, good Irish contingent uh, taking over the Liverpool team. <laughs> Absolutely, it's like the, it's like the men's uh, Liverpool team in the eighties. We got them all over the place. And anyway, uh, Steph, I think it's going to be an exciting day tomorrow. Of course, anyone can watch it for free on LOITV.ie from Talca Park tomorrow afternoon. It promises to be an absolute cracker of a game. Uh, thanks for joining me, Steph. As always, best luck with the wedding planning. Uh, don't eat too much cake. <laughs> because uh, you do need to get into those dresses and I know that's, that's <laughs> I know nothing about it but I know it's the thing that I'm warned about all the time uh, Steph thank you so much for uh, for joining us as always and we'll be thank chatting you. to you again next week win lose or draw tomorrow I don't well, know what <laughs> I don't know what we're looking for as neutrals what we're looking well, for we're <laughs> but, but I do know what you're looking for thanks very much to Pearl Slattery for giving us uh, her time as well ahead of the game and uh, last week when we sat down with her for a chat and we'll be back with you again next week talk to you then